Yeah, no? Okay. I'll be that guy. So, before we get to this text, a uh, quick little bit about me. First of all, if I fall, don't laugh because I'm a mover. Luckily, I have two wide open spots, so I don't knock over communion. But a uh, little bit on me. So, me and my lovely wife, these lights, I can't see anybody out there. She should be in that area. Um, started going to the journey, actually, when we were located over on 37, and it was kind of a hit and miss thing. I hadn't been active in a church and full on going to church because I kind of just felt there was, there was a lot of things that I was unqualified to be a part of, or I, I wasn't meant to be in the church because of the life I'd lived before, and I was the same kid that also said, oh, well, you know, I believe in a higher calling. I believe in Christ. I believe in Jesus. I believe in I'm going to go to heaven, that kind of thing. I prayed my prayer when I was in church camp at eight, you know what I mean? So I was like, oh, I, I got my ticket punched. I'm good. Don't worry about it. It is what it is. Um, my wife, though, opened my eyes even more because it was one of those, I'm going to call it what it is. I don't deserve my wife. She is the greatest one in this room right now. Sorry, other gentlemen, you missed out. Um, she has been the biggest blessing in, in that she also blessed me with a new family. Uh, my mother-in-law and my father-in-law brother-in-law, sister-in-law. It was one of those experiences I never had because I didn't have a large family. It was mostly just me and my mom growing up down here. And so it was, it was like I was disconnected almost because I immediately told myself, ah, church is for families. It's not for just a single child and a single mother kind of thing. And so I battled with the idea of church for a long time. Um, but fast forward, my wife, we, we talked about it. I was like, our marriage is, is stronger, I think, if we, we do take that step into church. And she grew up in church her whole life over in Harrisburg. And it was one of those, I started going with her and her family at their church, and it kind of revitalized that, that feeling in me again. And I was like, man, this is some good stuff. Like, you, I don't know how to describe something. Um, you get that really good Mexican joint you find. I know we, we have a couple in the church that went to a place recently. It wasn't that great. But you find your favorite Mexican place. They got the goods. Like, you don't go to Taco Bell after you find who's got the best chicken on the beach kind of thing. So that was a horrible reference. But <laughs> church started to, to light a fire in me, the, the worship part of it, the, the family side of it, the things I've seen people live Christ-like that were everyday people. Was my school teacher, was the guy that worked at KFC, was the person that you just see at the football games. And, and that's when it, like, it culminated in me that I was like, man, Aaron, we, we've got to do this ourselves. We've got to find our church. We've got to find our family. Because earlier today, I made the comment to Jordan, this is a building. Right now, we are in a building. This, every one of you, this is our church. Okay? I, I expected a little excitement out of that one. This is our church. Yeah, there you go. Um, Without each one of us in here together, there, there is no, there, there, it's a building, it's a church. I was here at 4.30 this morning. It's nothing. It's a dark building. I, I sit right up here, hanging out. I didn't have the people I fellowshiped with. I didn't have the people that were walking in my journey with me. I didn't have those ordinary people. So, with that in mind, I, I kind of gave you a little backstory on me. I didn't get too deep into it, but I do want to get into scripture. So, let me flip. I got a couple other ones that we're going to reference. <laughs> Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. All right, hang on to that absence part. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God's work in you, 
but to will and to work for his good pleasure. Let's get something very, very clear. This part of the text is very misunderstood. Um, A lot of people hear this and they're like, oh, so we earn our way into heaven. False. All right? I do not want that to be misunderstood at all by hearing that, you know, or works for salvation. Our ticket was punched. Jordan touched on it last week. God sent his son, right? He died on the cross for us. We are the blood children, servant of God, okay? So if we would, Ephesians, I think I got a slide for that. Derek, yeah, maybe? Is that, yeah, okay. In Ephesians, it says, um, for by the grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, not a result of works, all right? So you're not earning your way, you're not working your way into heaven. It's done, it's stamped, your ticket's going, we're going. So that no one may boast, for we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, so now that we've kind of established that you're not working and earning your way into heaven, what does it mean to work in salvation? The, the best way that I, I've been able to kind of break down the, the way I want this to come out is to work in salvation is, is to be that Christ-minded person, to live through Christ, all right? So we're not necessarily earning our way into heaven, but, but we're, we're going to continue to be Christ-like, okay? So working salvation, is it working salvation that you come to church on Sunday and then you mention nothing else of the gospel or Christ throughout the week? Do we acknowledge him during the week once we leave here? I hope so. We're supposed to. Th- that's kind of working the salvation. So a-, a lot of people getting in this rut, kind of like I was, where when you're looking at, okay, Christ died for me, I get to go to heaven, now I got to just be good, be a good Christian. So let me break down what the word Christian actually used to mean, all right? Early text shows the word Christian meaning slave of Christ, okay? Slave of Christ, so earn my way. Nope, don't earn my way. It's punched. I'm going. Slave of Christ, Christian. This is where I get get into that. A lot of people sit and think that some reason, in order for me to be a servant of Christ or to work within the church or to do some sort of ministry or do some something to just partake in the building of the church, whether it be journey kids or offering team or saying hello to somebody at the front door. It is actually within us, Christ has already blessed us. We have these natural gifts. There's no true qualification, okay? A lot of you out there probably have a degree in something. I met this awesome cat today, our bass player. I don't know where he's at out there. If he's out there, wave. Dude's got a master's degree in philosophy, right? What? He's up here drumming away at the bass. Like, I I did not expect that. Blew my mind. He didn't need that gift, though. He didn't need to go to college and finish that to have the gift that Christ has already instilled in each and every one of us to be a humble servant, okay? There is no pre-qualification. And in fact, bear with me here. People feel the need. I'm not ready or qualified. But the Bible never says we have to become qualified rather that we grow ourselves. It's to start serving. We work out our own salvation, as in growing in salvation, by serving the Lord. When we take this posture of serving, we are being radically different from the world, and it becomes a witness that it is a light in a dark world. 
worship team today, awesome. I love the way we did it. I love that song. Be, City on the Hill of Light, like, what? What is that? What, what does that mean? That literally means that we are the ones that are going out, shining our light, being Christ-like. One of the biggest things, and I'm going to jump ahead right now. I should have a slide on some percentages, Derek. There it is. So a lot of people say, which of any of the following would make you more interested in listening to what Christians had to say? Before you go off and read everything, I saw, I saw, I saw, I saw, I saw. So before I hear anything about what a Christian has to say or when I, people deem, okay, what is Christianity? What's it mean to be a good Christian? We're all visual learners. The first two words in every one of these is I saw. I saw them treat others better because of their faith. I saw them caring for people's needs because of their faith. I saw them being happier because of their faith. I saw them standing up against injustice because of their faith. I saw them use their faith to solve problems in their community. How do we grow out of this darkness? This, this world's twisted, and we're going to touch that in the text too. It's a twisted world. We can all agree on that. We can talk about hunger. We can talk about diseases. We can talk about abortion, divorces, all this. Literally reaching out and creating more light out there, guys, through this darkness is visual. You acting, being seen in the public, being seen in your own homes, by your children, by your family, by your friends, this is how we start to diminish that darkness. That, that is how we brighten the light of the world, okay? Is that everyone tracking on that? You literally have to implement that in your life, not just on Sunday, not just the day that we come in for our three hours. We smile, we, we communicate with each other, we, we hug, we, you know, we say a prayer. That was awesome, awesome. I'm all for it. Do that. Monday through Saturday, what's happening? Are you living Christ-like? Are, are you implementing the light within you so that it can spread? Got a little serious there, sorry. I, I, I'm very passionate about this, if you can't tell. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. So, however, this doesn't mean that we have to achieve some level of self-sacrifice and that we start living for God and others. It is as we live for God and others that we become more and more like Jesus, all right? You guys follow me right now? So as we continue to live like this, we become more and more like Jesus. Has there been anyone else walk this earth that can top that guy? If so, please point him out. I'd love to meet him. He uses our efforts to serve others to grow us personally so that, so that maybe we can't set the world completely right and do away with crime and drug and the orphan crisis and things like that, but he'd make an actual difference. Paul gives us two great examples in this next part of our text of two gentlemen that literally had the servant's heart, which is going to be a big, big topic of what we talk about, the servant's heart. So our Savior did not come back to be served, all right? but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Every Christian is the blood-bought servant of the Lord. Being a servant of Christ is not an option if you want to be more dedicated. It is the calling of every believer. I'm assuming I'm in a house right now of, of believers. Thank you. Whoever is up here talking to me, awesome. I, I like the feedback. I'm one of those guys. So we're in a house of believers. With that... If you are not a servant of Christ, you cannot rightly call yourself a Christian. Sink that in real quick. Because I lived a lie when I was claiming I was a Christian when I was younger. I was the guy that said, oh, I go to church. I believe. 
outside of this building, was I kind sometimes? Yes. Did I do nice things? Yes. Did I do it through Christ-like eyes and imaging and teachings? Not so much. Did I try and communicate with family and friends? Have you heard the word of the Lord? Do you know what the gospel actually is? No, I didn't. You know why? Because the darkness out there of the world, a lot of people look at it as, ah, this guy's kind of a Bible thumper. That's a little awkward. In fact, it makes it really awkward, so I'm going to unbutton my shirt. A lot of people here at the journey know me as the guy with tattoos and a beard. Name's Anthony, in case you forget. When you want to talk gospel, when you want to talk about religion, and I'm going to dwell on the whole, and you look like me, immediately you get a quick judgment. Oh, this guy, he's a believer, he's got tattoos all over him. Come on, knock it off. What's on the outside of me doesn't change what this is right here. Right? I, over the last two years, have completely, radically changed my life. I walked away from, and I, I blame Jordan all the time for this, and you guys can ask my wife. I, I walked away from a great job that paid really well. Really well, because money is what was important at the time in my life, because that's what made things work better for me in my life, was money. I come to a sermon one day, I'm listening to Jordan, and we were talking, and it was one of those, oh, give everything you have to Christ. There's those people out there in the world that sell their homes and leave their jobs and this and that, and they're the happiest people on mission and all that. So on the way home, I look at Aaron, I'm like, I'm going to quit my job. My wife was pumped at lunchtime that day, let me tell you. Um, over time, I started looking for another job. I, I did take a huge pay cut, huge pay cut. I drive an hour and a half one way to go to work now. My spiritual life has paid me 10 times the salary I ever made. And the fact that I get to be here today, some days I didn't get to come to church. Why? Because work, it was, I had to make that paycheck, and I get it. We have to make our living. That's important. Spiritually, emotionally, and my family has grown tenfold because we have dedicated our life now not just to one another being spouses, but also to Jesus Christ, okay? So with that, our selfless servant act has now, I can't even explain how happy I am with this. Like, it, it, it's overwhelming. It's a fire in me. I go to Jordan one night, and I said, Jordan, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. I got I to gotta do something. Whether it's I clean the parking lot, I got to do something. Well, what do you think you're called to do? Oh, I'm called to serve, Jordan, but I'm not qualified to do anything. I, I don't have a degree in ministry. I don't have a history of being the guitar-playing worship kind of guy. I, I, I'm not qualified to serve. It was in the back seat of my mother-in-law's car at Cole's parking lot in Carbondale that my wife and her both looked at me that day and said, Anthony, why do you feel like you're not qualified to go into ministry? I, 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 what, do I have, what do I have to offer? What about your experiences? What about your heart? Look at me now. You know what I'm saying? It was that day that it, it really sunk in even heavier for me that it was ordinary people are all qualified in the gospel if you are ready to give yourself. It was that easy, giving myself. So, with this text, I know I kind of keep rambling a little bit. I get excited. I told you guys that. Again, I told Jordan and Cindy, we probably should have told everybody last Sunday Anthony was speaking. That way then maybe you guys would have rethought. So, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I may be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him 
who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, interests, not those of Jesus Christ. All right, so let's think about what Paul's saying right now with Timothy. Needless to say, being a person on mission or in ministry in this time and age, it wasn't the most sought-after job. Why? Well, let's think. How many times has Paul been imprisoned now? How many times has Paul been beaten up and stoned and kind of left for dead? People didn't line up for that job. Timothy literally understood the gra- and grasped the idea of being a selfless servant and giving himself not just to Scripture but to the people of the Philippian church. He wanted to give himself to help grow. He wanted to give himself to Paul to help in the gospel. Timothy left a life. I mean, anybody out here willing right now to say, all right, I'm going to quit the job, I'm going to follow Jordan, he tells me I'm going to go to the Middle East and I'm going to spread the gospel. Who's all running to that job right now? Let's be honest. No, not nobody in here probably. <laughs> there are people that do that, though. Power to you. Awesome. He also talk, talks a little bit about, and I'm not going to mess this name up. I'm not going to butcher it. Me and my wife, she practiced with me saying it. We're going to call it T and E, okay? Timothy is T. E is in place how you feel it needs to be said. I have thought it necessary to send you E, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death. He is literally serving to the point that he is at no end where he is about to die. Okay? Are you ready to go step out this door and go serve until you're on your like last breath? I hope we should be. He was. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also. Least I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So here it is. We get this really great understanding of how the, the selfless servant's idea and heart and ministry is developed because, one, we have Paul who's willing to send Timothy, and then we have the Philippian church. I just got into a spot where there's no bright light, and I can see everybody. Sorry. I thought you should all know that. I can actually see you all now. Now I understand what you're saying. Like, you're moving around. You don't see nobody. I just got a little blind spot. I can see. Um, so Paul literally sends Timothy, okay? Philippian church now says, well, we need to do something. We need to send something to Paul. Now you have E who's stepping up, who's... On the break of death, and he's still serving, okay? Hardships and serving for Christ, they're legit, right? I'll tell you right now, I've lost several friends in the last year, not to illness or death, to the fact that I want to talk about God, to the fact that when they come over to my house, we, we say a prayer before we eat, and I say, well, what do you think for this week? What did Christ do in your life? Anything? I don't want to talk about church talk, man. Oh, okay, that's cool. God's my Savior. We're going to talk about it. You're in my house. What's up? No? Okay. I've lost two really great friends because it's uncomfortable for people. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to admit those things are out there, and they don't want to accept that I have gave my life now to Christ. I am living as my, my Christ-like image tells me to. <clears throat> so we must cultivate a servant's heart. Our Savior did not come to be served. Okay, ready? Our Savior did not come to be served. Jesus didn't come for you to serve him, right? but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. 
Every Christian is a blood-bought servant. I'm going to say that over and over because that is just, to me, that is such a powerful text that I just, I can't fathom the fact that it's so hard for people to think that to be a servant, oh, I just need to serve on Sunday. That's it. I'm trying to tell you right now, we have to go out Monday through Saturday. We have to serve. We have to impact our lives. The world is dark. Be the light, okay? I'm going to keep referencing it, so get ready for the broken record. Timothy's focus, I said I'd call it T, T focus was also on the Lord. Paul states that unlike many others, Timothy was not seeking after his own interests instead of those of Jesus Christ. Okay, we saw that in 221. Timothy served with Paul in the gospel, and Christ, the gospel, were the center of Timothy's life. So we have a young man. It just completely turns his world around because he makes everything about the gospel in Christ. All right? He did a really easy thing. Gave himself to the gospel. That was it. He didn't go to gospel training 101. He followed Paul and said, hey, I'm here to learn. I'm here to serve. And through the tribulations of serving, through the hardships of serving, he embodied the selfless servant's heart to the gospel ordinary person ordinary person not a biblical teacher of sorts from day one ordinary person like every one of us christ christ does what he does whether giving or helping or speaking as an offering to the lord jesus a servant's heart is centered on the lord jesus christ and his work every christian however you are earning your living, should live every day in fellowship with the Lord in submission to his will, in obedience to his word. One of the biggest things, a lot of people, I think, again, we go back to this visual thing, obedience to his word and to his will. If you just had like a random burning bush next to the sink and it was God speaking to you, telling you, hey, get your act together, are you immediately now going to be like, whoo, okay, my bad, I was, I was off straight and there, I'm back. Do you need that visual aid? Some of you, maybe, we need the visual aid. We want proof. A lot of, a lot of um, influential things are led by, by desire, by visualization. They, they want to see it. They want to see proof of it. They want to see, well, if you're the greatest, show me. Do you wake up today? Do you breathe a breath today? Did you make it to church? What more do you need to be shown? Does that, does that make sense? God gave us breath. God gave you the heart in your chest and the mind to do what is right. What, what big impactful thing are we needing that says, show me you're real. Show me you're here. You have life. I sent my son for you. That's what I feel like, you know, if I ever challenged God's word, that he would like look at me like crazy and be like, really? I sent my child for you? Me in the flesh for you? You live life day to day and breathe because of what I did, and you're challenging if I'm real? You need an example? Come on. <clears throat> Christian servants will be eager to talk about the great truths of the Bible with fellow Christians. This is a part of my text that it, I was, it was really heavy on my heart because how easy is it to be able to go to a youth thing, or your community groups, and sit and talk about the Bible. It's pretty easy, right? It's what we're there for. 
How often have you done that with a family member that doesn't attend church regularly or a friend who never has been to church? Do you, do you feel shame? Are you scared? Why? A story about a, a philosopher, not you, but of a philosopher was on mission in Africa, and he was actually not on mission. He was on work. He was an atheist at the time. Goes into a local village, and he spends, I think it was about two, three weeks um, getting to know the village, getting to know the families, the kids. It's near the end of his stay, and some of you may have heard this before. He draws a line, tells all the village kids to line up on it, and he takes a basket of fruit filled with portions galore, and he sets it underneath a tree nearby, about a 50-yard kind of spacing. He tells the children, the first one to this fruit basket can enjoy the whole thing themselves. It's all yours. So he lines all the kids up. He says, go. The kids start to run, and then they stop. Grab each other's hand. Approach the basket together. He's mind-blown. He's like, what just happened? He, he later asked the, the children, why did you guys lock hands? Why didn't you try and get to it first? How can I be happy? If you're hurting, and you're not getting to enjoy the fruit with me. Hey, guess what, guys? What more way to relate the gospel in our lives for the people around us that aren't enjoying the fruits that we do every day? No? Why aren't we locking hands with our neighbors, with our family and friends that aren't always here with us, that aren't on the same page so that they can enjoy that everlasting life that we intend on having? I want to see all my family there. I want to see all my friends there. Are you kidding? I'm going to be like, ha ha, I told you you were crazy and I was right. That story to me is so powerful in the sense that it's, it's one of those, you have to go to a forgotten area of the world to find something so rich and powerful and biblical, but yet we can't practice that same belief here in Williamson County? How is that? We have all these advancements. We have the blessings of Jordan to be here for us every Sunday to talk to us. We have our elders, Micah and, and Rob and Jacob. And that, but yet we become so selfish that we're not sharing the gospel every chance we get? What, what kind of servants are we being? We're ordinary people qualified by Christ, right? Some of the things a servant heart puts on others ahead of themselves for the sake of Christ. The Apostle Paul was in prison facing possible execution. Timothy, his right-hand man, a faithful man who had, been, who had served with Paul as a child serving his father. It would have been understandable if Paul, thinking of his circumstances, had said, I can't spare Timothy. Paul's in a tight jam. He doesn't want to send his best guy out. That's respectful. Okay. But he does it anyway. Instead, he was so willing and understood that Timothy knew where the help needed to be that he spares Timothy for himself and sends him for the sake of the Philippian church. The Philippians had been willing to serve Paul by giving monetarily and by sending E. Again, I'm not going to try and say that because I don't want to butcher it for you guys. Who himself had been willing to serve in the brink of death on Paul's behalf. There are ways you can tell 
if you're putting others ahead of yourself. One, you will show genuine concern. This spills over with heartfelt love, but here I am especially focusing on Timothy's genuine concern for these people and that he is not seeking his own interests, but the welfare of the church. Sad to say, many who serve the Lord, including some in, this is going to be shocking, which we talked about televangelism, we talked about that a couple weeks back. Some people that are in this business of serving Christ are in the business of filling themselves, their selfish ambitions. Guess what? You're going to encounter that out there in the world. The darkness, the dark world, your light needs to overpower theirs. You need to point that out. I'm not saying that you guys need to run up to somebody and be like, ah, you're selfish, you're not serving Christ. Nice try. You need to implement it in yourself because, again, like the slide I showed earlier, I saw, I saw it. When they see that you're doing it the right way, that you're being the selfless servant, that you have gave your heart to Christ, they're going to step back and be like, ooh, let me reevaluate how I'm approaching it because clearly you know what's up. Clearly you're implementing Christ-like mindset. Clearly you're being, role, your role model is Jesus Christ, our Savior. This is one of those spots where when me and Jordan talk, it's like, do I go into this? Do, do I say this? I, I don't want to cross a line. I don't want to offend anybody. And that's one of those things you got to be worried about this time and age. We have to endure servants' hardships. I'm not saying that going out there and giving yourself to Christ is, is going to be the most exciting and blessing thing in the world. Just because you're, you're giving yourself doesn't mean that you're not going to encounter hardships. Okay, I mean, look, we're going to be real about that. Bad things happen. We, we referenced a while back, me and Jordan were talking, I was like, and he actually mentioned it in the sermon too. I was like, man, isn't it crazy? Like people think of all the great things that Christ has done for us, like Noah's Ark. Let's think about that story. Two by two, let's make it ten foot. What happened to everybody that didn't get on there? That's some powerful stuff. There are hardships in being a selfless servant. Timothy. E, they went through hardships, brink of death, literally walking away from one life to the other. But it gets good. It gets good. Paul has been saying throughout chapter 2, he has told us that we should do nothing from selfishness, but with the humility of mind and regarding others more highly than we do ourselves. Not looking out for our own interests, but for the interest of others. Then he gave us the great example of our Lord who laid aside his rights, took on the form of a servant, and become obedient unto death on a cross. He received a servant's honor. A lot, a lot of people are like, well, what's that mean? My thing is that I, I'm going to always selflessly give myself from the, from the day that I committed myself back to Christ. In the end, there's a reward. And I know that sounds horrible to say that you, you don't earn anything to get it to heaven. You, you don't earn your, your praises from Christ. My reward is going to be the day I hit my face in front of my Savior. Yep, I heard somebody. Yep, somebody else is going to be there on their face with me. I'm going to be crying because it's going to hurt. I want everyone in this room to experience that with me. I want everyone that you, you encounter every day experience that with us. Our church. Not this. Our church. Therefore, 
God highly exalted him. Jesus had a servant's heart. He endured a servant's hardships. He received the servant's honor. That's the pattern for all who serve him. Let's all strive to become more, become more like-minded than having role models such as Timothy, E, but not only of them, but of the Apostle Paul and beyond him, our Lord Jesus. A lot of people today, we, we have false idols. We have star athletes, we have star singers, we have star actors, and, and those are the, the people that are young or young and youth are clinging to and wanting to idolize and be like. One of the things me and um, Derek and Jordan actually talked about, oh, this is a while back. When's the last time you heard your youth or someone in the family be like, man, I want to be more like Paul. Man, I want to be like Moses. He walked, he took up people into the wilderness because God called him to do it and said, I will provide. And he just went. He didn't, well, he challenged for a second, but he went. What about Daniel? Do you think Daniel was like, oh, yeah, I'm ready. Feed me the lion. Let's go. No. David, he, he faced the giant. No. All these things, the selfless giving, living in Christ's life, mind, having the, the servant's heart. I can't wait for the day, and I hope I start hearing some kids in our church or somewhere else, man, I want to I be like a pastor. I want to idolize God every day. What kind of, that's an awesome job. What's your job? I always tell Jordan, he's got it made. He, but then again, he, he doesn't because he does deal with a lot of the hardships for our whole church. A lot of us don't realize that. A lot of people think Jordan comes up here and just speaks the word, pumps us up, gets us going. We don't all get to see the hardships that he deals with, with, with the, the sickness in our church of people with cancer coming up, with, with a death in the family, with a, with a spousal issues, loss of a child. We don't see those hardships. So this is what I want to ask us ordinary people in this church. How are we serving? How are we being Christ-minded? How are we being the selfless servant? We mentioned last week, are you or the week before, are you, are you volunteering maybe to help with trivia night? Are you volunteering to help with Restore Network? Let that family go out and enjoy a night. You be the one that is a hero and watches six kids. Where are you serving? How are you serving? Are you doing it for yourself to make you feel better? Or are you doing it to serve Christ? out of selfish ambition and love. God has qualified every one of us. All it takes is the giving of oneself and becoming selfless. A Christian. A slave to Christ. My last slide real quick, please, Derek. I want to end with this uh, passage in Acts, maybe, not, there you go. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and that they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Uneducated, common men. They didn't go through church training 101. They lived it. They gave themselves. All of you, qualified. You don't know it right now, maybe. You've not had that calling yet. It's in there. 
Don't stop yourself because you feel like there has to be some big event, some, some culminating thing where Jordan walks up to you or Micah walks up to you and says, oh, you ought to preach. Oh, you ought to serve here. You're, you're, you're perfect for it. You got it in there. Step out. It's awesome. It's awesome. I got no other word. Awesome. Got goosebumps. Awesome. I'm going to go ahead and close this with a quick prayer. And I believe Jordan will be coming up and taking over for our communion. Before I do that, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate it. I don't think I saw anyone get up and run for a door. <laughs> awesome. We made it through. Thank you. We need to get together. Support her over here. I, I appreciate you guys. A lot of you don't know some of the impacts that you've made on me and my wife. We've got servants of the Lord in this building. We've got some that have forgotten what it truly means to be a servant. But I tell you what, let's lock arms. Let's get to this fruit together. Let's all, all of us, rejoice with our Savior and give ourselves to Him. I got goosebumps. This is what you get to do every Sunday. I don't get, you don't have a hard job. You've got an awesome job. No, I'm just kidding. If you guys would, bow and pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for blessing us with this day today, for giving us those examples in life through your text, through your teachings of how truly, truly blessed it is to be able to give oneself for Lord. God, I just, I just want to ask that you, you reach out and touch somebody today. Start that fire in their heart again. Open them up. Let them see that they are worthy. Let them know that they can be a servant to the gospel. That there is no qualification because it is with you that you qualified us the day you sent your son. Our salvation is one. God, we say this in your holy most name. Amen.